Hello everyone, and welcome to Food Navigator Asia's monthly podcast, the FNA Food and Beverage Trailblazers. This is a series where we speak to and get to know more about groundbreaking food and beverage firms in the Asia-Pacific region, as well as the people behind them and their stories. I am Perli, the editor of Food Navigator Asia, and as always, I am your host for this series. Joining me today is Didier Tubia, co-founder and CEO at Aleph Farms. Aleph Farms is well known as one of the industry-leading pioneers of the cultivated meat industry, hailing out of Israel and recently having expanded its horizons to Singapore. So hello Didier, welcome to the podcast and thank you so much for joining me today. Hello Pearly, nice to be with you today. Great to have you here and I think the first thing I'd like to really talk to you about is Aleph Farms in general and you know your work with cultivated steaks. So I understand that you're launching these in both Israel and also Singapore later in the year under this new brand Aleph Cut. So I wanted to find out more about this, you know, what has the journey been like for you? How long did it take? All that sort of thing. You give us a different introduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we started working on this project in 2016 and at uh, at the Technion and the Israel Institute of Technology to start with, mm-hmm. together with uh, the Strauss Group, a food company um, mm-hmm. here in Israel with global activities. It took us a year to build the first proof of concept and mm-hmm. uh, we actually um, registered the company mid-2017. Mm-hmm. So we've been uh, up and running as a, as a legal entity for almost six years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has been a longer, um, uh, long journey because you know cells are the building blocks of life they actually make uh, living organisms so we needed to um, isolate first uh, you know the right cells and to build the, um, the banks of uh, cells with the right uh, source and to make sure that we we master um, uh, the cells and build the right uh, platform for making um, uh, you know large amount of cells very efficiently mm-hmm. uh, without any um, animal components as input. We really want to focus on, on, on the cells as the only animal mm. input in the uh, incorporated in the production process. And we wanted uh, to make sure that we develop uh, the right product and mm. that we drive the cost down, that we build um, a, a process which is scalable, which can really serve as a base for um, mm. making large quantities at a, a reasonable cost. So all that is taking a lot of time as a lot of uh, those technologies uh, did not exist when we started, so we really needed mm-hmm. to, to to develop a lot of uh, of those technologies by our own. And today we we completed um, last year the scale up of the first uh, pilot facility in Israel mm-hmm. where the company is uh, located. Um, we we just acquired a new facility in our, our home country in mm-hmm. uh, in in Israel as well, um, to expand our production capacities uh, uh, here locally and. In parallel, we opened the first uh, representation in Singapore and mm. signed an agreement with the uh, Esco Aster um, three months ago to build a new plant, a new facility in, in Singapore, mm-hmm. which would be um, up and running in 2025. So until then, mm. we intend to launch um, our first product in smaller quantities based on the production in Israel. And then mm-hmm. starting 2025 to start producing locally. We, we, we are at launching in both Israel and Singapore later this year pending uh, regulatory approvals. I do understand launching first in Israel as that's your home base. Uh, I was also wondering why you're choosing Singapore, you know, as the as the other market for launch, you know, is is it mainly due to the regulatory landscape? We all know that Singapore is the only market currently with that sort of clearance for the main meat, right? So is that the main reason? Not only for us, it's a mm-hmm. strategic move. Uh, we okay. do see um, the Middle East and Asia, APAC mm-hmm. as, a, as a wider region. 
as a, a very strategic for us on the mm -hmm. mid and long term. Um, for a bunch of reasons, first because um, this is the, the most populated region with uh, mm -hmm. uh, soon 60% uh, of the world population living in, in APAC. Yeah. And Asia is also the, the main uh, growth driver for meat consumption. Mm -hmm. Um, and beyond that, the um, most of the meat, especially the beef, which is what we're dealing with at Aleph Farms, is imported. China used to to import uh, ninety percent of their beef, and mm. uh, recently uh, the government has invested massive resources to develop local production capacity. Still, it mm -hmm. imports um, a bit over fifty percent of its uh, mm -hmm. beef consumption. If I if I uh, get the numbers right. Um, Japan imports 65% of its mm. beef, even though it's known for the yes. Kobe beef and the products. And we see the same issue in the Middle East as well. In Israel, we import 88% mm. of our beef. Uh, we're working uh, also very closely with the UAE, the mm. Emirates, which is also importing uh, close to 100%. So the, the size of the population and the uh, increase in meat consumption, the fact that the beef is imported, mm -hmm. Um, expected consumer acceptance, which is relatively mm. high, and a strong governmental support in an effort mm. to increase um, food security. So we started with Israel as a as a, a hub for uh, Middle East and North Africa, yeah. and Singapore mm -hmm. as a hub for uh, the larger APAC region. Mm -hmm. And Singapore specifically is one of the most uh, sophisticated countries in terms of mm. uh, alternative proteins and um, and uh, food production. And so for us, it's a great uh, springboard into um, the wider APEC region. Are there any other particular considerations you're looking at when it comes to uh, focusing on commercial expansion in that case? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, is it consumer acceptance? Is it any of those things? Yes, in terms of, um, of uh, consumer-focused uh, marketing, actually both uh, Singapore and Israel have a relatively common um, uh, characteristics where both are um, a very um, vibrant culinary scene mm -hmm. with uh, actually influences from uh, different uh, food cultures. For us, uh, starting in countries where we can really test our uh, this new raw material for chefs yep. um, and uh, demonstrate, it, demonstrate its volatility and mm -hmm. uh, its uh, uh, adaptability, versatility, mm -hmm. you know, fitting into yes. different food cultures and testing its um, acceptance with uh, different uh, groups of consumers is, uh, is quite interesting as, um, you know, as, as first steps into the market. From Singapore specifically, we do intend to um, expand progressively into Southeast Asia and potentially the, then uh, into um, uh, the Far East, uh, including uh, uh, South Korea and Japan, which mm -hmm. uh, in our views are, are large and interesting markets. We're also looking yeah. at uh, China as, a, mm -hmm. as an interesting uh, country. Um, maybe, you know, primarily the, the larger urban areas um, and uh, um, as part of it, uh, Hong Kong as well. Do you anticipate needing to make any sorts of adjustments or localizations in order to suit consumer palettes, you know, in the various mm -hmm. markets? Oh, yes, of course. And I think it's an important question because we, we need really to avoid the pitfalls of, uh, you know, developing, um, you know, uh, one size fits all food. Mm. Like, um, mm -hmm. I think the a lot of American companies actually have mm. had some uh, pushbacks yes. in, uh, in Asia with um, 
with uh, some products which were not um, uh, adapted, uh, adjusted to mm -hmm. the local uh, palette. Um, so yes, of course. And I think that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, food is about uh, culture. Food is not a functional product which is intended mm -hmm. just to fuel the body. Mm -hmm. um, food is an emotional product and uh, mm -hmm. it really needs to fit into the local dishes, of course, and culinary mm -hmm. um, uh, art, but also um, with the, uh, the consumer preferences in terms of uh, mm -hmm. taste, flavor, um, texture, um, and cooking mm -hmm. properties. So that, that's that's important. In terms of pricing and affordability, so is a left cart uh, still looking primarily at the premium market for now? And how long are you looking at it being before you know cultivated steak, for example, can be a norm for the mass market in terms of pricing? You know, be able to get it at any restaurant or at any or anywhere going to the store. Yeah, it's an important question, and um, I think that we should manage expectations here. I, mm -hmm. I do believe that uh, cultivated meat is a mass market play, meaning the mm -hmm. the goal of RF farms. You know, if I'm talking about our company, is really to be uh, widely available and, mm -hmm. uh, and to be an accessible, high quality product. But we believe it will take time until we get there. Mm -hmm. um, when we launch our product, it will probably be um, priced equivalent to premium or super premium mm. beef, like, um, you know, Wagyu. Mm. Um, and the quantities will be relatively limited. And as yep. we expand our production capacities and um, leverage economies of scale, improve mm -hmm. the production processes and the, the technologies associated with the product, we will uh, drive the cost down progressively and move uh, progressively toward the, the center of the market, the, the mass market uh, segments. Um, if, if I'm back to the analogy um, with uh, electric vehicles, um, mm -hmm. if, we, if you're looking, for instance, as a Tesla or electric yep. vehicles in general, 10 years ago, it was very expensive. Mm -hmm. Tesla started with a sports car and then uh, progressively yeah. they developed new models, which were kind of lower in terms mm -hmm. of uh, uh, price range and are progressively moving toward the, the mass of the market. Mm -hmm. And it takes them uh, a decade to do that. And uh, we believe that cultivated meat will also um, take maybe a decade to uh, get to a point where, uh, you know, um, uh, cultivated meat and, and the aleph cuts are, uh, you know, the, um, the, the mass uh, product, uh, which would be um, widely available and affordable for Everywhere. everyone. So now I'd like to switch focus to uh, find out more about your own entrepreneurial journey. So I understand that a lot of your background has been in biomedical focus sort of technology. So I would like to ask, you know, how did you find yourself here now as this food entrepreneur? How do you make that change in your journey? Uh, I'm a food engineer and biologist by education, mm -hmm. meaning that I, I studied uh, um, in food and uh, studied at the time in France, a major in uh, and food technologies for the warm countries, which was primarily mm -hmm. uh, directed toward uh, the global south. Mm -hmm. and, and my role when I studied uh, food technology at the time was uh, to tackle malnutrition issues and mm -hmm. issues with the food system. Spent a short period of time in Western Africa with the IFC. And in 2016, when uh, the previous company I, I managed, um, it was a startup named uh, NLT Spine has been acquired by um, US-based uh, company, um, corporate partner. I decided to come back to food. I, I had this plan already for a few years because I, I really, you know, stayed through my career very much connected to the food uh, food industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that the, the largest impact we can uh, uh, deliver is through food. 
it's a great way to combine both my background in uh, food and biology and in the, the biomedical uh, industry mm. because the underlying um, uh, platforms we're using have been originally developed for for the biomedical mm -hmm. uh, applications yep so uh, we're kind of at the convergence between uh, uh, biomedical and uh, and food mm. so when you made that sort of change over into food was there anything that particularly surprised you about the food space what's really fascinating me in food um, and food innovation is um, that it really um, connects with the people you know, mm -hmm. uh, food is is really part of of of, of people and uh, for culture. It's uh, we connect with emotions. We connect with the uh, mm -hmm. food is a social, um, cultural, historical, religious mm -hmm. thing. Um, and I think that uh, innovating in a, within a space which is uh, so human um, is, from my standpoint, very um, very interesting and intriguing. And um, what what we have uh, figured out, you know. As we started um, building the company and developing the vision, mm -hmm. which was originally more focused on uh, sustainability, like mm -hmm. a, a better managing yeah. our um, natural resources and making sure that um, that we can uh, sustain our activity as the human species on Earth, we we more and more understood the importance of uh, food security aspects of mm -hmm. what we do, meaning food sovereignty. Um, Today, the food system is, is very concentrated. Uh, in history, we used to um, eat food from uh, six to seven thousand different sources. Mm -hmm. Today, 75% of our food comes from eight crops and five uh, animal species. Mm -hmm. and, and the production is also concentrated in specific geographical areas. Mm -hmm. um, if it's beef, it's primarily uh, US, uh, Brazil, meaning US, Latin America, and uh, mm -hmm. Australia, New Zealand, and a mm -hmm. little bit in Europe. Um, so, and the farming practices are, are uh, mostly uh, uniform, meaning that any um, disruption in the system can really have a big impact on the whole global industry. Um, so, you know, drought, drought on, or lack of, lack of water, extreme climate events, war, uh, like, uh, you know, in Ukraine has completely disrupted the, the wheat and the uh, sunflower uh, oil market. Uh, we've seen the African swine fever in China, which really disrupted the, mm. the global yeah. swine market. So the, the system is very fragile because it's, it is very concentrated. I think that diversifying the supply of food by incorporating new production systems, such as um, cultivated meat and cells, mm -hmm. is not only a way to release a bit the pressure on conventional animal yeah. farming systems, so that we can revert back to more extensive um, mm -hmm. uh, um, farming practices, uh, um, either um, family-owned smallholder farms or um, regenerative mm -hmm. agricultural practices, and, and uh, decrease the you know the amplitude of industrial farming and the uh, uh, concentration. But it it, it also provides um, uh, circuit breakers and uh, um, B plants. It makes the whole food system much more resilient. Yeah. We can help decentralizing the, the production um, systems for high quality animal production closer to the consumption um, uh, mm -hmm. centers, uh, empowering the local communities and making sure that the, the economic yes. value is created where the meat is consumed, but also yeah. implementing short production cycles, shorter um, supply mm -hmm. chains, much more predictable and uh, stable supply, resilient to climate change, resilient to, uh, um, to climate events, the potential contribution of cultivated meat and cells to food security and food system resilience mm 
became much more um, clear to us. When you started out in the beginning, you know, when cultivated meat space was so much less developed than it is now, um, is there anything you wish you had known when you started in the beginning? You know, anything you might have changed if you had known all this in advance? I think that the whole um, cultivated meat in the industry has had at the time um, underestimated the mm. changes associated with the scale up and cost reduction. Um, at Alephons, we're really working very, very actively on uh, overcoming those challenges, and I, I do believe that a few other companies are also doing a good job about it. Um, so in terms of timelines, actually, I guess that we, we more or less uh, met our timelines as compared to our uh, initial estimates in uh, 2017, 2018. Um, but we, we thought at the time that we would have uh, larger production capacities in 2023 than what we have today. And mm. um, so scale up uh, has been uh, taken, taking more time than what we anticipated. Mm. Um, when we started the company, it was difficult as well for us to really assess the amount of resources required and mm -hmm. uh, um, the amplitude of the investments required to 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 bring products to market and scale the company mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and i think it's good we didn't know that because it's <laughs> 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 uh, today it's clear that in order to really build um you know a real cultivated meat company which would make products uh, market them and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, scale as a global business, hundreds of millions of dollars are required. Mm -hmm. So at Alephans, we're really working on a, um, more capital efficient ways to build our um, production capacities. You know, for instance, the agreement with the ESCO Aster in, in Singapore, which is a contract manufacturing organization, mm -hmm. is uh, one implementation of, of a strategy we're uh, implementing to decrease the initial investment in CapEx we need to, uh, mm -hmm. to make to, to build capacities. And we're working on a bunch of uh, additional uh, creative solutions to really uh, minimize the, the amount of capital needed. Mm. But still, you know, this is something we, we probably um, underestimated um, yeah. until a couple of years ago as well. Yeah. Okay, just one last thing, I guess. Uh, any advice you might have for, you know, those out there who are trying to move into food entrepreneurship like you have, or even, you know, specifically for the cultivated meat industry? to avoid um, the pitfall of looking at uh, food tech as a, as a, as from a technological angle. I think mm -hmm. that, um, as we said, the, the challenge, for instance, with the, the protein transition is not a technological challenge. The, the goal is not just to make more proteins more efficiently yep. um, with less resources. We really need to make sure that we developed the right products which would fit into food culture that people really connect with, want to eat, and fit yeah. into the, um, the the culinary um, scene which um, we're targeting. Um, so I think that the cultural approach of uh, yes. food tech is sometimes um, overlooked and uh, probably needs to be to be reinforced. Thank you so much, Didier. Thank you so much for joining me today. It was really wonderful speaking with you. Thanks, Berlin. It was. Uh, yeah. It was great having this chat. Thank you so much. And thank you also everyone for listening to this podcast as well. And I wish everyone a great day ahead. For Food Navigator Asia, this is Pearlie signing out. Bye.